Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Just wanted to remind everyone that Media Roots is entirely grassroots. We are not funded by any corporate entities and we are encouraging donations. We're offering artwork and music for my brother's record label, recordlabelrecords.org and abbymartin.org. Art with every $40 donation and more. So definitely check out that. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff going on. It's been a little bit since we've done a show. Really exciting news. Russia Today reached out to Media Roots and I was featured on a segment called The Politics of Fear talking about the emergency alert system that they just initiated in New York City. So definitely check that out. It's on Media Roots right now. Very exciting. Also, living in the Bay Area, one of the most liberal hubs in the country, it's eerie to see the new Obama stickers being put on everyone's cars. A giant 2012 logo. Um, As if the number wasn't like (laughs) ominous enough. You know, with all the Terrence McKenna theories and, and the movie that just came out with John Cusack <laughs> flying a plane through like model railroad set looking like Yellowstone like erupting imploding like. ground. Yeah. Um, so now we have two zero two one two with like the zero with a giant Obama logo with like this like soft welcoming blue color. It's a more soothing, chilling blue than the yeah. than the royal blue before. And uh and so I guess that means the election season has officially kicked off. I mean, I see one of these new Obama 2012 stickers about once or twice a day already. It's going to probably get worse before the election. And then the Republicans have already had two debates. They just had their second one mm-hmm. last night, the, the, the uh, primary pool of candidates. And they just keep adding more people to the debates. Donald Trump dropped out, but then he says now he's going to run as a third party. It's like a circus. It is like Michelle a circus. Michelle Bachman yeah. just, just got into the race. It's like, oh my God, like and these now, people are just ridiculous. Yeah, the, so two people who entered the debate, who entered the race after the first debate are now considered the front runners. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like they all, like uh, on Fox News, they just keep calling Mitt Romney the front runner, Mitt Romney. Yeah, even though the, he's not the front runner. I mean... What yeah, are they I mean, basing that on? I guess they just want him to be, so they call him that. I mean, it's really odd. It is really odd. I mean, it's just like total self fulfilling prophecy. Uh, Mitt Romney is a Mormon, which I think is really political kryptonite. I don't think oh, he's going to yeah. be able to. It's pretty divisive. Get over that in a Christian nation to have a Mormon. I mean, it was weird enough to have a Catholic become yeah. president, but I don't think that the, this nation's ready to elect a Mormon. Um, yeah, just living in San Diego and seeing the Bush stickers everywhere wasn't that surprising to me because it was pre- predominantly a military town. But I guess being up here, it is surprising just because I would think that people wouldn't be supporting him at this point. But I guess I guess that's my own narrow vision of the world. I'm just like, you know, reading news every day and seeing all this crazy stuff that's going on and then just seeing people just blindly supporting him before the election cycle's even kicking off. They're just like plastering his stickers on their cars. I just got pretty much interrogated by this old lady yesterday who parked behind me (laughs) who came up and said that's a little bit harsh isn't it because i have a nothing change sticker on my car and i was just like um actually it's not i was like no change in foreign policy no change in civil liberties and she was just like she like didn't know what to say i was just like i'm sorry i mean if you're gonna come up to me and like accuse me of i don't know misrepresenting something then better have your facts straight (laughs) because you don't know who you're fucking with girl (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had I had an interesting interaction a couple times with people 
um, responding to some of the political slogans I have in my car. Um, one time, a guy parked behind me, and he saw one of my 9-11 stickers, and he said, he, he said, excuse me, as I got out of my car. And I said, yes. And he said, don't you think those stickers are a little offensive? <laughs> I'm very offended by it. Like, first he asked me if I thought they are offensive, yeah. and I said no. And then he said, I'm very offended by them. And I was like, well, why? Why are you offended? Right. And he's like, I just don't think our government would be involved in something like that. And he's like, and I don't like Bush. He's like, I'm not block. a fan of Bush. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you don't have to believe our government necessarily did it, but at least, you know, investigate it, you know, do some research online, look stuff up. Because, I mean, I was giving him a list of different things. I was telling him about the shoot-down orders were changed, the drills, and he didn't know anything. I mean, he literally didn't know a single thing oh, that yeah. I was telling him. He didn't even know what Building 7 was. It's funny that he says he was offended, but then he's offended by his own psychological barrier. Like, he, he's, like, un- incapable of just considering it, and yeah. that's offensive to him. Yeah, I mean, and I guess I'm just so desensitized and so acclimated now to having absolutely no loyalty whatsoever to this country. <laughs> And you can call me treasonous, you can call me anti-American or whatever. I mean, I don't I don't believe that I am identified in any way with this government or this country. I mean, maybe some of the ideals that we're supposed to hold, you know, are nice to believe in. But, I mean, they're not exclusive yeah, to Yeah, we're not country. nationalists. I mean, we're not... <clears throat> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a fantasy. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, I think the whole Obama election cycle is going to be a big one, uh... I think he spent over a billion dollars in the last election cycle, so I can't even imagine what they're going to throw into this one. Um, yeah. And he's an ama- I mean, he's a master at campaigning. This is going to be... That's what he's best at. Yeah. That's his number one skill, and he hasn't really started yet, so... What's his new slogan going to be? We think we can only if we get reelected, or we <laughs> might We might if you reelect us. It's like... Yeah, we've been trying hard, <laughs> and just got to... You know, we're better than the other guys. Those basically. darn Republicans. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You asked, why are people in the Bay Area supporting Obama? And I think it's completely derived from a rubber band, like, snapback effect. Like, they just hate the Republicans so much yep. that they just go to the other side, no matter what it is, you know? So, we were just watching, we watched the Republican debates yesterday, and I don't have cable news anymore, but just watching Fox News the hour preceding the debates was really surreal um it's basically like wwf it's like <laughs> the most insane it was like idiocracy like how they portray fox news it, just, idiocracy. Keeps worse, it yeah. just keeps getting worse i mean it's like so over the top so sensationalized this st- b- before the debates even started they brought up anthony weiner five separate times in conjunction with a bunch of just over sensationalized trivialities and just garbage yeah and it's just like wow is that really news like did is there a new like thing about Anthony Weiner? Is this just no, like constant <laughs> barrage of Anthony Weiner stuff? Like, I mean, I can't even imagine how it's been. That was just one hour that I saw on the news. And, and like, it is like WWF or idiocracy. And people forget that, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely a hundred percent sure on how much Rupert Murdoch has, um, invested in the other aspects of Fox. You know, people just talk about him with Fox News. But I feel like in general, this has been a tradition of Fox as a company since, like, they started a television network. I mean, remember remember back to, I mean, besides The Simpsons, which was probably one of the most, like, intelligent shows they ever put on TV, uh, almost every show they had was very sensationalist and trying to get ratings in, like, mm-hmm. a kind of an edgy 
mm-hmm. way, you know, like um, some of it was very base level too. Like Married with Children was a very popular show, and that was one of the most like sleazy, risque shows on television. Well, at that's the, time. the most hilarious hypocrisy about Fox is <laughs> yeah, they always have these course. very sleazy looking like women reporters oh, yeah. that are dressed really scantily clad, but then they just talk about family values and Christian yeah. morals all the time. You're like, wait, that's really weird because your network is very contra- like portrays yeah, something very contrary to what like, you preach. They pull that kind of shit all the time. I mean. Alex Jones, um, when he interrupted Geraldo, I think it was like on the fifth anniversary of 9 11 oh, or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Remember the women on stage? They were doing a special on the Geraldo show about what's like too scantily clad to wear on a plane and why this one lady got kicked off the plane because he yeah, was like, Yeah, and then there was like all these women in like mini skirts yeah, on a stage like, and they look like porn sexy? stars. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it was what just, in the hell is going on? It's just so funny. Um, and then going along with the debate, I mean, so first it showed the stage without the candidates on it. And I was like, oh my God, the whole stage looked like a goddamn U2 concert, like a Garth Brooks bonanza. Yeah. It was like a hundred TV screens Jumbo with screens, red, 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 white, and blue, a light stage. Like you're, I mean, it was just insane. The whole stage was shaped like a star. And then these little podiums um, had like lights like all around the podiums and stuff. And then the candidates came out and I was like, oh my God, like the stage is so massive. You can't even tell how big it is until the candidates are actually on it. And you see how, I mean, it must have cost like $50 million, this whole setup. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was outrageous. It's like, I can't imagine any other country doing that at, at, a, at a debate. Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't. And it was one of the most... Uh, <laughs> and it was on CNN. Yeah. It, was on, it wasn't even on Fox News. I mean, we were watching Fox News before it was on because we were mistaken. We thought it was actually going to be on Fox. Because I guess this whole time I was under the impression that Fox News like owned the Republican <laughs> debates because they're basically the Republican Party mm-hmm. to some degree. So I, you know, I thought that they were the only ones airing it. But no, CNN had an exclusive airing to this debate. And it made the questioning a little bit less friendly, but at the same time, it really doesn't make much of a difference because the media is all the same. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was watching anyways. Fox. Yeah, I mean, There's no they're all like difference. Fox now. I mean, they really are. It was such a garish <laughs> stage. I really just encourage everyone just to check it out, just to see how ridiculous it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know that we live in America. We don't need to see constant reminders or the like barrage of propaganda and flag colors and just imagery every time we see anything that has to do with political process it's just it's offensive and it's odd well after 9-11 um i i I forgot the guy who made this movie but it's one of the best modern political documentaries kind of after fahrenheit 9-11 uh came out and it's it's called war made easy and there was a part in it where they got an internal memo from fox that basically said or no sorry not fox cnn that said um you know we need to start beating this american drum because fox news is like stealing our viewers like we need to have more red white and blue on our segues we need to have more just like patriotic themes so like constant image constant imagery of moving flags yeah and they just they keep drumming it up i mean i mean they you know i mean how much more outlandish can you get though I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess Idiocracy, where the guy literally is like a ripped chest, like guy in a Speedo, <laughs> just sitting naked. down on a desk with like a porno star next to him. And then he like, when he swears, it puts it through like effects, like shit, 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 shit. <laughs> like just like weird. I mean, I don't know. It's going to get really weird. I mean, yeah, it already <laughs> is really, really surreal. Um, so then the debate starts. Ron Paul looks just like he's just totally demoralized i mean ron paul just looked so old and it was just really 
he's just so past his prime. It's just such a shame. I respect him wholeheartedly, and I totally support that he's in the race because at least he's he is that lone voice of sanity in the debates. That's really important to have that. But at the same time, it just I can't help but just be sad a little bit at how there's just no chance. Yeah, and it and it seems like after. Gingrich and uh, Bachman and Romney entered the debates. It's like his chime to shine and and stand out as kind of past. I don't know if they're going to stick it out (laughs) for the whole election, but um, yeah, I mean, the debate, I mean, just, just the construction of the debates last night was just so formulaic and so fucking predictable typical every e- single person had like a, the same canned response like everyone talks about like their down home like upbringing, upbringing their, modest, their modest upbringing and like their their blue collar family life and all their grandkids like every single person when they introduced their their statement or like their personal statement they all said like how many grandkids and kids they had it's like okay yeah what i think <laughs> i don't care that Rip- mitt romney has like eight children like yeah, what is just, that? Maybe you should maybe you should stop being in politics and care for eight children. That's a lot of kids to have, dude. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, they just all it's just all such cookie cutter shit and and paint by numbers. They all have like a set of instructions. They're supposed to like, you know, explain all about their family upbringing and. One of the guys kept talking in analogies about a train. Herman Cain. Yeah. Herman Cain is like the worst speaker ever. He like could not even answer anything. He kept just talking about a freight train and how. He like kept tying it back to this weird analogy about a freight train. I don't know. I wasn't following it at all. I mean, I didn't take anything of substance whatsoever from anyone's responses other than Ron Paul. Michelle yeah. Bachman's a total joke. She looked like the woman from Brazil. Her makeup yeah, job. Yeah, she, she looked ridiculous. She looked really bad. Especially the cat eye look. watching it in HD and it, it was scary. Cat eye look, not a good look for you, Michelle. You might want to cut back on that makeup job. <laughs> HD is really weird to watch politics and news on. Yeah, because they have a lot more makeup on nowadays than they used to wear. Because um, now you know everything's being broadcast in HD, and and you could see just this layer of like, you know, foundation all over their faces. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> and, and the candidates that okay, so here are the candidates that were in the debate last night. It was Michelle Bachman, Newt Gingrich. And Mitt Romney, those were the three new additions to the debate. They weren't there before. They completely skipped out on the first one, which to me seems like almost like cheating in a contest. Like you weren't there to debate at first. Yeah. Like why were you afraid? Were you not prepared? Like yeah, and they keep and they keep talking. On a side note, the um, the coverage keeps talking about Sarah Palin as if she's like running. Yeah, and and who knows if if her plan is to jump in at the end or she's or such what? an enigma. It's like first she's a politician, then she's a reality TV star, and now she's a politician again. It's like good god, this woman is just so propped up by the media. It's like so saturated with Palin garbage. But I love the fact that that people just defend her until the end. I mean, I mean, she literally made a website about how. I think she even did an interview after that Paul Revere thing and said that it was a oh my classic God. gotcha question from the liberal <sighs> lamestream media. Lamestream media. So basically when you ask someone a question where they don't have like a written response, it's like gotcha journalism? Yeah, it's like someone, I mean, someone asked like her a very basic question about American history and she said that Paul Revere was warning the British and ringing bells. It's like, okay, whoa, have you, have you ever taken a <laughs> history class, man? Like... These people just have no knowledge of basic civics and it's an embarrassment to the political process and then we reward them by giving them reality TV shows and like 
book tours and then just offer them a platform to run for president of the United States when this woman is completely ignorant of basic civics and how the government's supposed to run and work. Yeah, and she quit being governor. Yeah. I think we talked about that on one of our last episodes, but it's like, how could you have any respect for someone in, in, in an elected office, trying to run for elected offices? They literally quit their yeah. job. I yeah. mean, before their term was up. Like It shows you that this this whole race is just so... It's like so manufactured. I mean, you have Sarah Palin just jumping in at the last minute. Donald Trump. It's like all these people who are like celebrity TV stars. It reminds me of the governor race for Schwarz- or when Schwarzenegger won. It does, yeah. And, you know, Gray Davis, the recall thing. And you had like Gary Coleman in the mix. You had the porn star running. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, what in the hell has this political process turned into? It's yeah, just such a joke. Michelle Bachman became popular because she because Chris Matthews did like a thing on her and how she wanted to like investigate people in the Congress for being Marxist. So, I mean, she just rose to popularity because of some sensationalist crazy shit that she said. Yeah. And now she's like a real Now she's a legitimate contender. candidate. It's so And all she crazy. did was talk about Obamacare and how she was the first person to try to repeal Obamacare. I love how we're just talking about Obamacare as if uh, it's just amazing. No one's talking about our defense spending. Yeah. Or just it was bombing policy. campaigns. It's like because they're lockstep. The Democrats yeah. and Republicans are lockstep. They all think that this is great. So it's like just argue about these trivialities and these divisive issues like gay marriage, abortion, and and healthcare. And and yeah, that's true. They're they're lockstep, much more so than they used to be under Bush. I mean, oh yeah, under Bush, uh, the 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 war was a major issue of both the 2004 and 2008 elections. I mean, it was like a primary thing that all the debates would would talk about heavily. Now it's almost completely, it's it's just a blip. I mean, Afghanistan was barely mentioned, you know? So these Republican candidates are, I mean, they're they're a joke. I mean, just like, you know, just like the last slew of them, except this time it's a little bit more interesting because um, there's a lot of new players and there's just a lot of, strange dynamics going on. I mean, we have people on completely the opposite end of the spectrum debating against each other, um, even more so than like Palin versus Biden. I mean, to see someone like Newt Gingrich on stage with Herman Cain and Newt Gingrich, like a longtime favorite intellectual, you know, think tank guy, basically being marginalized to the sidelines in the debate was, was kind of weird. I mean, even Sean Hannity was... And uh, and Dick Morris were kind of like ah he's like too tainted now like I mean it really didn't take much for them to just kind of shit can him but they seem really into Mitt Romney and I don't really understand what how it's going to play out I mean I think Mitt Romney's probably going to win the primary this time he seems like he's actually undergone like a lot of like not necessarily public speaking lessons but like like presidential lessons What's, like he's where acting he been more like the presidential. last two years though like since the 2008 run-up like have you really heard from Mitt Romney apparently this is what I've heard is that since all the elections now are hinged on certain electoral states yeah. he's spent like half of his like time and <laughs> campaign money in New Hampshire like so far Weird. They, like it's apparently like a swing state that can... see it's all strategy based yeah, these people are like so... n- don't give a shit about like people or lawmaking for constituencies it's just like all about just strategy they're just trying to like win these states it's just the electoral college is a joke in itself Rod Paul got very little like forward policy questions of course yeah they don't want him to they don't want that voice of logic 
it's inserted. Weird. What's weird to me is that the Fox How dare News, you question the war on terror? The Fox News Republican debate was almost more revealing than the CNN one. The CNN one was much more of like a template, like not finding out any real information, yeah. anything like substantive. One out of the, of the biggest candidates. questions was. Who do you support, Leno or what do you watch, Leno or Conan? And then I thought they were going to ask that same question for everyone, and then they were like, "What do you like better, Elvis or Johnny Cash?" It's like, oh my god. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's like cultural reference, and it's funny and everything, but really, yeah, it's it's just such garbage. Total freaking like, garbage. When you look at Rick Santorum's face, I mean, he's just <laughs> on so much salvia. His Rick Santorum smokes salvia divinorum. Uh, he just like his you could tell he was like coming off like a really long binge <laughs> like he just had like some sort of paralysis from doing too much and 20X. Uh, yeah he i think he's just one of the largest consumers of 20x <laughs> salvia extract in the country um and herman cain yeah he's just talking about trains and uh michelle blockman looks like the girl from brazil like he said it's just it's a, it's a mess and I really don't know who's going to win the primary and I was half expecting a burning effigy of Bin Laden to be on stage like like the yeah. owl yeah when they came back from commercial break it's just like such a show didn't you feel like you're watching like an American Idol like Dancing with the Stars episode or something yeah. it was really over the top yeah it's gone it's to totally that point insane. now um I'm, I'm half expecting scantily clad women to come out with like numbers like spinning around. I mean, and even the panning of the camera is like so Hollywood. There's like all these panning shots like scaling across the candidates and then from the <laughs> back and going around. There's like all this like very high tech professional Hollywood effects. Yeah, and I think a lot of them, it's funny how like Mitt Romney is just the predestined front runner because. Up until the point where he actually announced his campaign, all the other Republicans were kind of backhandedly attacking him. And now that it seems like he might actually win the primary, they all like probably want to be on his side because they'll be chosen to be like the VP or something. It's just so... Just, all these people don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, like if Mitt Romney's really the front runner, quote unquote, that all these people are self-fulfilling prophecy saying that he's a front runner, I just, I mean, it's a ace in the hole for Obama's re-election. I agree. I mean, I mean, and it really, I think the religion thing is going to play a big role. I mean, if you're a Christian person, I mean, would you vote for a Christian or a Mormon? I mean, it just seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, I'm not saying that a lot of, there's, there's people, there's a lot of people out there who, well, vote actually religion, am. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it seems really divisive. It seems like it's not a good idea. No, I, I mean, I can't, I don't know of any other time in our history besides Kennedy or maybe, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see an atheist or, you know, someone who's a self or self identifying as agnostic or atheist in pre in the, pre in the presidential seat. I'd love to see that, but it's just not realistic. I mean, we're living in a Christian nation right now, so it really is unrealistic to think of electing someone yeah other than jfk i can't think of anyone else who wasn't a christian yeah maybe he was a catholic i mean yeah. not different yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that scene in contact where jodie foster is like in the running to be, be like fly on the ship and like the last question they asked her is like does she believe in god and that was like what cost her <laughs> the mission i mean it's the same thing with the presidency you know an interesting thing <laughs> about ron paul like you know some of our friends don't like ron paul purely because of the abortion issue or the gay rights issue because he said he doesn't necessarily support that but obama doesn't either i mean obama hasn't said that he doesn't support gay marriage so 
I mean, it, that's it's just funny that people dislike Ron Paul because they're like, well, he personally doesn't believe that, even though he's letting the states decide. Um, it is funny that Obama also doesn't support it. And, and Obama has pretty much... A, and he's in, he's the president. Obama, he could have done so I mean, much. I don't think a lot of people remember this, but Obama has effectively said the same thing about leaving gay marriage to the states. So on in that singular aspect, he's on the same page as Ron Paul. Um, Ron Paul and Herman Cain were the only two Republicans last night who didn't raise their hand when they asked if they would support a constitutional ban on gay marriage federally. So Wow. Yeah. I mean, so I think people are a little bit... You know, it's like they like to zoom in on that aspect of Ron Paul and use it as a bone of contention, but at the same time, you know, they're willing to accept all these very tiny incremental changes by Obama and overlook, you know, and yeah. not make a big deal about his foreign policy. I mean, I think that that's revealing that, you know, and it's even a little bit revealing how Rand Paul, how sometimes the media goes after him very strongly for some of the things that he says that really... I mean, some of it is taken out of context. Some of it is a little bit hypocritical. Like he said that... He said that we should go after all people who are on fanatical terrorists. Yeah, or all people who websites. attend fanatical rallies right. for the person talking about overthrowing the government. And he has attended such rallies. But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, he is really good on a lot of civil, civil liberties. liberties issues, much more so than most Democrats. Right. And I'm not saying I really agree with him on, on a lot of stuff because I don't really know his own politics right. very well. But it just shows... That there's that it's like they want to take people down. They just who, dislike Republicans. It's seriously this weird bias. Yeah, and I don't even think it's that it's it's not necessarily it's not even if it were that simple to me it'd be less evil. Like it's just like right. oh they just like Republicans are just like trying to play into this whole team battle thing. But it's almost like they dislike anyone who's challenging the status quo of like the generic Republicans versus the right. Democrats because people like Rand and Ron Paul actually throw a wrench in that whole narrative i mean they throw such a big wrench in it that they've actually like changed the course right of the debate right. in, a, in a weird way libertarianism is like exploding because of ron paul yeah i mean in a, in a strange way it is and and i don't think and that the confusing. democrats like it that it is confusing they for like people. things familiar they like the familiar well, they like to be the civil rights people yeah you know yeah they i mean i mean so they don't want these other people inside their game i mean right it's the same reason they don't let um you know they didn't let michael bednarik and ralph nader come to the debates you mm -hmm. know i mean you don't want multiple points of view to challenge the narrative because the status quo is the most holy thing of all i mean they right. want to keep it of course the whole afghanistan thing too why are we there? So Osama bin Laden has supposedly been killed. We're just in Afghanistan. You're telling me that it's just a coincidence that the world's largest supply of opium comes from Afghanistan and we're just controlling that region. I mean, if you're looking at the heartland theory and the fact that we go after countries purely just to access and control resources, then I just don't see why people don't understand that we're in Afghanistan to control opium and the pipeline. It's, it makes it, a lot of, I mean, it's just very... Well, it's, it's completely obvious that we're not going to just leave our hands off the world's largest supply of heroin. I mean, there's yeah. so much money in that market, that black market that we, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to have some interest in it and the right. people, you know, the people with billions of dollars investing so much money in this country's quote rebuilding efforts um, are going to want a piece of that pie too. Can you imagine if that's how the debates were? Like if they just were discussing the opium yeah, crop and how, issues, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the fact that it's, I don't think most people would even consider that a possibility because it's the same th mental block that blocks them from believing that our government would kill its own people. But per, it's like, how game. could you, it's so weird. It's like, 
Yeah, no, it totally is. It's that same weird thing where it's like, oh, our government can't be um, engaging in illicit, like illegal behavior, dealing drugs or yeah. controlling drugs. Well, it's like it's the like, conspiracy would be too big to keep a secret or blah, blah, blah. You it's know, like, I really? Because there's jets crashed all the time full of cocaine that are run by the CIA from Panama, Colombia. I mean, this is very obvious that this is happening. I mean, <laughs> watch American Drug War if you don't think that we have anything to do with, you know, controlling the drugs and... and and the drug war in this country. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that there's there is a very fine line. Um, it's a gray area of legality between pharmaceutical opioids like things like Vicodin and morphine, um, OxyContin. Those are all legal uh, mm-hmm. in this country, and things like heroin are illegal. But I mean, they're just a f- they're very slightly different. They do very you know very similar things to the brain, and the raw materials that are used to derive all these drugs from um, mostly come from Afghanistan. Right. And, I, and I'm not just saying heroin comes from Afghanistan. All the raw opium does that they process to turn into pharmaceutical right. drugs comes from there as well. I mean, a large percentage and of it does. And what's the most pill-happy nation? America. Yeah. <laughs> so where is this coming from? I mean, it's it's really just simple. It's just You just connect the dots. I mean, I mean, we can't say exactly how it's being... You know, the, it's being exchanged and, and where it's being. Um, yeah, where how the it's supply allocated. chain is. I mean, but it, yeah. I mean, we know the source of the opium, and we know that we are one of the largest suppliers of opium in the legal form, which is pharmaceutical drugs. So I don't know. It's not too much of a stretch to, to put that together. But yeah, this, just the, the representative Wiener. Um, controversy, the scandal that's been going on for what, like two weeks now is so hilarious. Uh, It seems like, I mean, it's just so funny to me. Can you imagine the press interrogating the Bush administration like this about the weapons and about everything else? It's like, instead you had Bush and Cheney just like being coddled by the press. And then Helen Thomas says one thing and she's kicked out and like demonized and taken down. I mean, the press just totally like lubed them up their entire administration no questioning at all it's only after they got out of office that people just joke about it like oh yeah the wmds and stuff it's like well what happened to the press during their term no one interrogated them like they should and here we are with representative wiener he has these pictures coming out on twitter he's obviously a pervert okay that's obvious. Or um, sex addict. Yeah, yeah, he's a sex addict. He's a pervert. Whatever. I just don't understand the rel- like the relevance in the political dialogue right now. Maybe for the first day, but the fact that it's just been going on and just incessantly covered in the media for the last two weeks, it's just junk food news, man. I mean, it almost makes my... I mean, it does make my conspiracy <laughs> theory-addled mind kick into high gear when things like this happen because it's like... Not only do I think about things like you know, how many politicians can be instantly compromised like this? Like oh, how yeah. many politicians with just their out of control hubris and their elitism think they can get away with shit like this and are, and just at any time can be taken down, you know? Yeah. It makes me something. wonder, it makes me wonder how many politicians have dirt against them. I really feel like all of them can be compromised. Otherwise you I'm wouldn't sure, be in yeah. that position or, or and not even on, let's say let's separate a, the sexual issue. Not, not all of them are, we're not saying all politicians are secretly sex addicts right. or perverts, but I mean, I think probably a good percentage of them see prostitutes on the side. I mean, um, but 
just other things like illegal money exchanges, right. bribes. Right. I mean, payola. Those Absolutely. things are all. I think every. Yeah. I mean, if we knew all that stuff about politicians, I think, and we had it all on paper. I mean, you could take pretty much every single one of them down. It just seems weird to me that we didn't know that Arnold Schwarzenegger had like a love child, and that John Edwards had a love child, and it's like. It's just like when they were out of office and then it comes out. It just seems like they can be these politicians can be taken down if they if it's necessary for them to be taken down by the establishment really, really easy. That's yeah. And and by the people, the powers that be like the people who it, it almost makes me think, too. It's like, why is it right now? Anthony Weiner and John Edwards have all this heat coming towards them. It almost makes me feel like, you know, the people that 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 push the media in certain directions it's almost like they want the pendulum to swing the other way in order to make the election closer or something it's it's very hard to to it, explain it, it it just feels like just more of that same like i don't know republican versus democrats like fodder you know yeah and then seeing just representative wiener's totally unhinged you see him on the the congressional floor yelling I mean, he did some really cool things. The 9-11 first responders bill, he went out there and he was like, this is about right and wrong. And he really like killed it. But he was also totally unhinged. And I think that they just can't have like a loose cannon like that running around. It's just too risky. Maybe it really just is his own hubris. His own, yeah, his hubris, which really led to his out of hinge, his, um, his unhinged nature on the floor and... You know, the other side to that is, you know, you could do really, you could be really fiery and go on the floor and make these rousing speeches and not be afraid of getting shut down. But at the same time, that same, you know, mental power that gives you the yeah. ability to do that could also lead to like your own demise where you are just so full of yourself that you think you can Twitter, you know, dick pics to people and yeah. not it's get like, caught. Just like Clinton thought it was okay to just like, fuck this woman with a cigar on in the oval <laughs> office it's like dude I mean, I mean get a hotel or something like you're just that insane with yeah, power it's like the king that you syndrome. like it is yeah. it's like goddamn like i'm gonna have like a harem of women yeah like, in my, i don't they know they have a just... vomitorium and like freaking <laughs> prostitution rings and just all i mean it's just insane um yeah, I mean, Wiener did say some really crazy things. He went out and said that Obama wasn't doing enough and that he could be doing more. He kind of like lambasted Obama on a bunch of on a bunch of opportunities. And I just think, you know, yeah, maybe it isn't a conspiracy at all. Maybe we're just so puritanical. This country is just so repressed sexually that we just get so titillated by anything that has to do with sex and scandal. I think that's really the it, that's it, the right crux there. of it. Yeah. I mean, you should have seen the gleeful look in all these Fox News reporters' eyes as they're talking about Wiener. I mean, it's like... They're, they're like, like almost giggling. They're like a group of like 11 to 13-year-old yeah. boys in the locker room talking about, you know, something they read on the internet or something. I mean, it's just, it's total... Yeah. And they're having just, a ball with his name, too. They're yeah. On Chris Matthews' hardball this morning, it said, Wiener Roast, like a picture of Anthony Wiener's oh face. Oh, my God. It's just like, I heard they're just Sean, loving it. I was listening to Sean Hannity on the way up, and in case anybody's listening out there and wondering why I would do that, <laughs> um, I, I, I have this strange, um, I feel compelled sometimes to listen to right-wing talk radio. Uh, so fun. Yeah, when I say right-wing talk radio, I mean like really generic, just super yeah, like Rush you know, water-carrying neocon radio. You know, Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, uh, Rusty Humphrey, all those generic, Rusty Humphrey, totally horrible you know, name. Yeah. Um, and he was like, uh, 
He's like, uh, I didn't. I don't send. I don't tweet pictures of me holding my wiener uh, out to people. I just take oxycontin and have my Mexican maid go down to Florida <laughs> and get me like a massive amount of prescription pills. That's limbo. But oh, that, sorry. <laughs> no, but the, I bet you Sean Hannity <laughs> dabbles in things. Sean Hannity looks like a time. giant baby. Mm-hmm. He looks like a fifty-year-old child. A little too much Ruth Chris. <laughs> yeah, eating a little bit too much Ruth Chris, Hannity. Which you is might actually peel back. a fantastic restaurant. I yeah. highly recommend it. <laughs> They're we'll not be, paying us to say this. But we'll be giving out gift certificates to Ruth Chris. <laughs> Just drop Media Roots' <laughs> name when you're there, yeah. and they'll do absolutely nothing for you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, all these people who have had these scandals, kind of like Blagojevich. Um, well, that was actually crazy because he was going after Bank of America and stuff, and then all of a sudden he gets totally taken down, and that that was really sketchy. That whole thing with the tapes, and he was just like, "All I want to do is play the tapes." He was actually found not guilty on all charges, but was it was he? after he was totally demonized. Really? Yeah, because the def- he was found not. Oh, the I didn't defense, even that. all the defense said was play the tapes. Weird, because they kept taking a snippet of the tape where he was just like, "This is gold," and like putting it in the context that he was trying to sell the seat when in reality he was just talking in you know yeah in a context of something much broader and the whole defense was just like play the whole tape and they couldn't do it and so they just they had nothing against him yeah i mean it makes you wonder if you know if a lot of these politicians are doing are they doing things so out in the open illegally to get investigated and prosecuted like this or is at a selected time do certain ones get chosen to be sacrificial lambs and 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 as distractions really or for what reason yeah, you, you, it's, you know? it's impossible to know i mean there's so much real crime happening that we're that we're very aware of at the top level yeah i mean the cia has been breaking the law they call it extrajudicial as if that somehow makes it like legal i mean extrajudicial yeah. means illegal that's what right. it, technically it's right. not judicial <laughs> yeah mean, it's just it's just funny to me that um you know, the we, picking and choosing, the finger of, pointing. Yeah. yeah, it's like Blagojevich, Elliot Spitzer, and Weiner, and and these guys all do seem. I mean, and I don't, you know, I can't be, really judge their personalities too much harshly, but I mean, they all do seem a little bit like loose cannons, kind of like big ego dudes. Um, so I mean, who knows? You yeah, know? maybe maybe at the same time that they led to their own demise. You know, they're they're also making too many waves you know behind the scenes and yeah. and and knocking on the wrong people's doors serving the wrong people's subpoenas I right mean, we'll never know all it really takes is pissing one very important person off yeah and, and your whole career can be fucked look at cynthia mckinney yeah she grilled rumsfeld about the norad stand down order and about the missing trillions and about sex scandals and and all of a sudden just totally taken down that whole Yep. Thing about her punching the security guard and she was just kicked out. It was really sad. The Republican Party tried multiple times to well, I mean, who knows if it was just the Republican Party, but yeah. they they once they tried to run um like a very southern acting like black woman against her, which was like unprecedented. And I think almost I think I might be mistaken on this that they actually funded a Democrat to run against her. In her oh, own yeah, district. Yeah, they wanted her to get out. Yeah, and then Real when that bad. didn't work, um, yeah, she just, you know, she ended up punching somebody, a security guard who made her put, uh, she, put a lapel. He didn't, he didn't believe it was her. <laughs> so like, wait, why? What was the source of that again? I well, forget the scandal. The, I mean, he, a security guard at Capitol Hill, made her, like, asked her for her ID because she didn't, he didn't believe that she was a congresswoman, <laughs> and she got really angry apparently. That's so. really funny. Um, yeah, I mean, Cynthia McKinney's awesome. 
she's like in the Middle East right now, just reporting on all this stuff. She's an, an incredible lady. Um, and wasn't she on something so not ballsy. the flotilla that got ambushed, but she was on something like before yeah. that that you know very well could have gotten in the same scenario. You know, yeah, I mean, no, she's, she was she ambushed by an Israeli ship. Yeah, she they and they were almost taken down. Actually, oh she gosh. was almost killed. Yeah. But those people with their lawn chairs and their poles. Oh, yeah. They know, shouldn't have attacked the, the, the guys propelling on the ship with chairs, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are some dangerous chairs. Those are some really dangerous much chairs. Much more dangerous than machine guns, turrets from helicopters. Yeah, much more dangerous than snipers catapulting <laughs> on your boat with armed to the oh, frickin' T. <laughs> um, this whole talk about compromising or people who are easily compromised by scandals and personal issues makes me wonder about Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich. I feel like they are literally the only two politicians out there because they've been so, not unhinged, but they've been so vocal, so outspoken about about the impending police state and about our imperialism and the empire that it makes me think that they're totally freaking angels, man. Yeah. But they don't have a shred against them because if they did, I just feel like, why haven't they pulled that card yet to just take them down? Because they're just too, I mean, I don't know. I guess they're too marginalized at this point that they don't. Yeah, or they just have nothing against them. Yeah, I mean, or maybe they really do have like a squeaky clean personal history. I mean, and I was even listening to like again, I was listening to Sean Hannity today, and and they had that they had that closeted gay guy who used to work for Clinton on his show, Dick Morris, who um, I usually don't like to talk about people's sexuality like this, but uh, but I mean, I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure the guy is gay yeah i mean there's very little question about it anyways he was he was talking to sean hannity about how he doesn't want to talk bad about any of the candidates yet because he he admitted that he'd have to carry water for them if one of them won the primary regardless of who it was because he's like a republican pundit but then he also said he also said romney is in the lead (laughs) yeah he's like he's like romney i'm like i'm favoring romney right now because he's been around for a while and if there was any bad dirt on him we would have already heard about it by now like lie some of these but i mean he actually i mean this is just an insight into how these guys think like this guy knows that politicians can be instantly taken down by this like and he was making it seem like tim Pawlenty and some of these other guys might have something floating around out there that could compromise them yeah and is that a reason to support someone because they've been around and they don't have dirt against them like it's not a very good reason to yeah i mean (laughs) the hell that in itself is just weird and when you say and what's what does dirt even mean i mean the media can demonize you for screaming too loud in a microphone yeah like howard dean howard dean was taken down instantly because they put out of context uh, the howard dean scream where he was really energized and talking about yeah we could do it and they just like played that clip over and over again where he looked like he had slap cheek (laughs) (laughs) he was like a red face like shiny ball and they just took him down he was like out at that point it's just so funny how easy it is how easy it is in the mainstream to do that (laughs) Ralph Nader's a one, another one of the seemingly impenetrable crew of politicians, but I think you were saying this before, but they took him down by brainwashing the American people that he cost Gore the election, which is totally not true at all. Yeah, Gore cost Gore the Gore election. cost Gore the election by not pressing forward. He won. Hello? Yeah, or he, he just won wasn't the election. a good enough candidate, or he could have But won. I mean, he, he really yeah, did yeah. win. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's been, it's been ex- extensively documented that Gore actually did win the election. So the whole Ralph Nader 
that whole propaganda talking point is totally erroneous and people still use that to this day. People tell me all the time, oh, well, look what happened in the Gore-Bush election. That's why we can't vote third party. You're like, well, actually, that's not true. Gore still won. Ralph Nader didn't cost any election. Gore just didn't stand up for himself and demand I mean, that whole, that was just such a sham. That whole thing was just such a sham. Carrie, on the other hand, took a dive. <clears throat> totally pathetic. Carrie won also, but he, obviously, it was by design that he was supposed to take a dive and then just disappear. Yeah, we have lawyers on the ground in Lawyers Ohio. on the ground in Ohio, guys. Give me all of your money. And then, like, within two hours, he gave a succession, or a succession speech. Yeah, he was probably, like, told... You know, maybe a couple of weeks out or a couple of months before the election, like this isn't your time now. Yeah, yeah. It's like an angel who tells you, like in the afterlife, it's not your time. <laughs> it's to, not your to time. Go, go down. <laughs> the pearly gates are not open for you now. Um, it's like wag the dog. <laughs> <laughs> what is? I don't know. Just the election and just like all this stuff. Paul Craig Roberts and Sybil Edmonds just had an excellent podcast together uh sibel edmonds is a former fbi translator and paul craig roberts is the former assistant secretary to the treasury for the reagan administration he's been in the government for decades both government insiders just gave an explosive uh testimony about how he thinks al-qaeda is totally run by the cia sibel edmonds was talking about how they never even talked about the term al-qaeda until after 9-11 how it's just totally manufactured and paul craig roberts was just saying i feel like i'm living in 1984 where the establishment, the establishment just says like we're at war with Oceania, we're at war with Eurasia, mm-hmm. and we just like switch back and forth, and we have no idea what's going on. It's total wag the dog. And you know that it's that. I mean, in the way you know that that's true. I mean, not that it's literally like 1984. Yeah. It's, it's almost more insidious because in in 1984, at least it was obvious to certain people like Winston Smith that shit was really wrong. But right now, it's like. You have to argue with almost everybody you come into contact with who has any semblance of, you know, attachment to the United States. Like you can't, you can't even have a discussion with somebody who believes in the premise of the war on terror without having to poke holes in the idea of the war on terror. Right. I mean, what? Yeah, it's just like Oceana. It's like we're, you know, we need to fight the war on terror, the war against any country that has something that we need. Yeah, and this whole Libya thing, Gaddafi was in the original axis of evil that Bush declared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they said that he won or that, that Gaddafi wasn't a problem because he impeded his nu- nu- nuclear program. Nuclear. Yeah. He agreed <laughs> to stop his nuclear program because Bush warned him not to do it. Bush gave him a stern warning. So that was a win in the war on terror. <laughs> and I mean, if it wasn't obvious enough that we were going into Libya for other ulterior motives other than to help the um, the, you know, whatever that citizenry i mean it just got released now that we had yeah he was impeding oil interests yeah he was he was actually fucking with uh you know corporate oil interests over yeah. there yeah but that had nothing to do with us yeah. going in robbie Sounds that's totally like Mosedek, a coincidence except mosadek wasn't insane kind of insane like Qaddafi is but you know sounds kind of familiar yeah we're living in a country that's a corporate police state it's like creeping fascism that has permeated into every system of this country of governance and it's all run by soft bribes it's all run by lobbyists lobbyists actually write the bills now it's very hard to find a bill that isn't written by a lobbyist um and it's very very scary because it's totally insidious and these corporate entities are held above the law 
but they're working in conjunction with the law to draft policy. And it's, mm-hmm. it's it all- very scary. It's a new form of fascism. And that's why I think people don't understand it or can't see it because it's not these historical um, themes that we're used to, we're used to learning in history class, um, you know, communism, fascism, these black and white terms that are kind of like blanket terms. It's like now we've, we're in a creeping state of something that's new and more insidious. if you're not careful about it. I mean, there's ways to actually avoid being tracked online. There's ways to surf the web anonymously. Um, But I think over time, more and more people are going to probably relinquish their privacy on on things like Facebook. Um, You know, and that's voluntary. It's like people are giving away their own personal information. And uh, I use Facebook, you know, every day. um, But I... I try not to turn it into like an actual personal database of my information. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have, I'm friends with some of my family members on Facebook, but I don't actually like, you're not using it for self exploitation. You're just using it to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not using it to actually have friendships with people and things right. like that. But right. I think that younger people may actually be using it for that. And, not really realize that what they're putting yeah, themselves Facebook into. has turned it's it's upped its creepiness factor by like a thousand because it started off yeah it was just this giant data mining operation that collected all of our information and sold it to advertising agencies but everyone just relinquished that kind of understanding that that was par for the course but now they have these personalization facial recognition software implemented where if, even if you don't want to be tagged in photos, it will like, if you have a photo photo up of yourself, it'll take, it's like minority report. It has all these tracking softwares that it'll take your photo and now it's in this database and it will suggest it to your friends. And it's just like collecting all of us. And they're talking about how in the future, you'll just be able to search a photo and find out everyone's personal information based on a photo of someone that you can take. And that's the scary part. Yeah, that is, I mean, it, and that, I mean, that can lead to a lot of bad things, you know? Absolutely. It's terrifying. And these personalization algorithms also that are implemented in uh, all over, Yahoo, AOL, Google, Gmail, you know, I understand the feature. I understand that it's, it's about profit making and they're trying to personalize what you surf on the web and go off your cookies and, and all that stuff and try to make you buy more shit. I understand that part. But the people who design these these algorithms, I feel like there's no there's no morality to it because once it's penetrated, it's actually limiting what you're what you can search for online. If people don't understand that this is happening, then they just Google search something and they get totally different search results than someone else Googling yeah. that maybe searches for food stuff more. They'll get like more search results catered toward that. And and it, you don't understand that this is happening. You think that the 
the net is totally neutral and it's impartial, but it's really not. And it's getting worse. Um, and this is just a really scary thing. I just saw an excellent TED talk about this and I'll, we'll link to this on the SoundCloud timeline. Check out the SoundCloud timeline as we're talking. We're going to link to a bunch of the stuff that we're talking about. But yeah, check out this TED talk because it scared me. I mean, I know when I'm signed into Gmail and I search on Google, I get different search results. But I, this guy was also saying that even if you're signed out of your Gmail, he did a test where he did a, a Google search for Egypt, him and his friend that lived in Florida, and they got entirely different search results and they weren't logged into anything online. So it's just, it, it impedes democracy. I mean, it just impedes like the... F- um, being able to have free access to all information, right. the same information that everybody else has, it's it gives you the illusion that you're seeing, you know, the same reality as everyone else, but right. you're actually seeing a reflection of what you want to see. Exactly. And it's only going to get more like that as the internet progresses. And as long as there's a way to opt out of it easily, it's not really an issue. I mean, it's not really clear cut how we can opt out. No, of it. I, mean, I haven't really found any. I mean, I think probably the easiest way is just to remove all your cookies. But if you do that, then you're going to lose all your, like your sign, a lot of like your sign in, um, yeah. login information and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you have to lose a little bit of convenience to, to not have it, to, you know, cater to your your own results like that and we're also having a giant problem with soundcloud the program that we're using to upload these podcasts on originally we thought it would be a really great idea to source everything we're saying and have a really interactive timeline that you guys can check out and follow but now soundcloud has prevented us they've actually taken down one of our old episodes because of copyright infringement because we used like 10 seconds of a, of a song and they prevented us from uploading a bunch and so now we're just having problems with them a lot of or this guy who's making a media roots music mix every month is consistently encountering problems with soundcloud and copyright infringement and it's just it's just getting to the point where it's like this is just so far-reaching like what can we use to not deal with this yeah there just there just has to be more independent um you know uncompromised file sharing things out there i mean with the demise of google video yeah um vimeo is pretty free but for as how far long as, when i say free i mean like free and and as far as the content you can upload but it's cost it's kind of expensive to use not, well, soundcloud's expensive too yeah soundcloud's expensive and on top of that soundcloud um actually uses an algorithm to search through things and take it down if it uses any copyrighted material that they have in their database. I just think it's a really bad precedent to set because robots don't know context. Right. I mean, if you're using like an automatic program to go through and remove these and take them down, then you have no, I mean, if it's automatic, you're just like, it's like assuming guilt, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That everyone's like violating the copyright. What if we I just mean, want to reference a song, play a clip, and then talk about? It? I mean, or like promote something? It's just, it's just so sad that we don't have totally free reign to do what we want. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the bigger the internet gets, um, you know, the, the the companies that win out and become the most popular, you know, become the biggest financially, and then as a result, they become the most, um, you know, catering to big corporations yeah yeah i mean like youtube there's mm-hmm. so much stuff taken down every day now on youtube and it only seems to be the stuff that's owned by the most powerful richest copyright holders i mean you know it doesn't seem fair on both sides it doesn't seem fair to the people uploading stuff and then it also doesn't seem fair to the little copyright holders i mean how do you get involved in that system 
if you don't want your copyrighted work uploaded to YouTube. It only seems like it's designed for you know these big players to be oh, able to yeah. easily access. Did you know that it's gotten so bad that they've actually taken down videos for copyrighted gestures? No. What does that mean? There's actual copyrighted gestures and dance moves that people have mimicked in videos, apparently not even knowing, and they've been taken down and in some cases sued. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so do you have any tips on how we can surf the web anonymously or how we can opt out of this personalization algorithms and software? Or just, and, and, and I mean, I don't know. This is something that we should research uh, I mean, and I get do. back to. I have I have some tips on how to hack these algorithms and, and actually not hack them, but actually just uh, get your stuff through them without it getting taken down. Um, there's little tricks you can use, but they also have negative aspects too. Like a really obvious one that people do is if you're uploading something to YouTube to spell something slightly wrong so that it doesn't show up on the search mm. results. But if you do that, then, then you're not going to get search be able results. to search for it very easily. So, unless they do it through tags or something. Another way to do it is to actually... doesn't seem to be video content as much that they're scanning for yet. It seems to be audio content. So, like, if you upload a video to YouTube and it has a song that's copyrighted, like a Prince song, for instance, will get taken down because he's extremely litigious and very, like, disciplined about removing everything of his on the Internet. He's, he's insane. He's an insane Jehovah's Witness, like, OCD freak. Um, but... So if you put like a Prince song on a song on a video of yours and you want it to get through the YouTube algorithm, just don't say what song it is. And if you do only put it in the credits on the video, don't put it like in the body of text on your mm -hmm. video. Don't put it in the summary or anything. Put it on the actual video itself. And then you, you can slightly speed up or slow down the song to get through these algorithms. Um, I've tried that on our own broadcast on SoundCloud and it seems to do the trick. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how long that's Yeah, I mean, last. I mean, who knows if they're going to retract it and take it down like they did to our Able Danger episode. Mm -hmm. So when I, I worked for an investigative news organization in San Diego a couple of years ago, and we were researching the issue of net neutrality, um, and I was really confused because it's a really loaded issue. And there's a lot of astroturfing going on with the telecom industry and the propaganda online about net neutrality. And when I was researching it, there was this prominent organization called Hands Off the Internet, and they had a very slick advertising campaign that talked about how we shouldn't have net neutrality because it would mean just total government control and the government would like come down and destroy the internet, destroy innovation and entrepreneurship and destroy the premise and the tenets of, you know, that the internet was, was founded upon. And it was really confusing. It was really, really confusing. Um... Until you realized who was funding Hands Off the Internet, which was Verizon, Sprint, AT&T, Comcast. It was like all like the main telecom industry just funding this astroturfing campaign. But it was done in such a slick way that unless you researched who was funding it, it totally convoluted the issue and made you think the opposite of what it really is. Um, net neutrality is a really interesting one because a lot of people don't understand it. They don't know about the term. But if you talk to everyone about what it is, then they all want it. Um, net neutrality is 
basically since the internet's inception the unregulated medium medium of the internet has always adhered to the fundamental principle of net neutrality which is the notion that all websites from mega corporations to backroom bloggers have an equal opportunity to reach people online and under this principle every website regardless of the site's material and content and amount of data is given non-discriminatory treatment from isps internet service providers like comcast or verizon or at&t but of course, the government doesn't like this very much since the internet is truly the last bastion of freedom in that sense that it's totally unregulated. It's not really. Um, in 2008, Comcast was dinged for blocking um, BitTorrents online. So that was the first time in a long time that the net neutrality got put back on the public dialogue. But this is really an issue that's been going on for a while where regulations and all these telecom companies are trying to pressure the FCC and pressure Congress into getting rid of net neutrality. The real issue is that we need it. We need net neutrality to be law. Um, we need it set in stone so they can't keep impeding our freedoms online. Media Roots is a perfect example. I have a huge amount of data, data on Media Roots and it's only going to grow. And if I don't pay enough with this new internet that they want to install then i people won't be able to get to my site as quickly um i will have to pay large sums of money in order to have my site load as quickly or have people access it the same way that they are now and it just totally impedes the the basic freedom that we have online and it's the internet's gotten to the place that it is now because of net neutrality and little companies like google who started off have gotten to where they are now because of net neutrality and um even the inventor of the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee, not Al Gore, there's a great quote from him where he says, the neutral communications medium is essential to our society. It's the basis of a fair, competitive market economy. It's the basis of democracy by which a community should decide what to do. It is the basis of science by which humankind should decide what is true. Let us protect the neutrality of the net. That is the inventor of the World Wide Web. He clearly saw the importance of net neutrality but in 2006 a glover park group poll i think like 93 percent of americans had never even heard of the term net neutrality which shows you how convoluted this whole issue really is yeah it's i there's not really very many good arguments against it i mean the one of the only ones that i've heard that has some logical basis is well you shouldn't be able to tell you know companies what they can and can't do or, or right. whatever like you know like um like you shouldn't tell a company like how much bandwidth they'll be able to use or, or whatever but i mean i think if these laws if there was like a cable neutrality law or like a radio neutrality law in place years and years ago we wouldn't have these controlled radio and tv mm -hmm. waves now that we do now i mean people need to look at it that way that the internet is in its infancy still and eventually people are going to try to control it more and commercialize it more. I mean, it's only a matter of time. So why shouldn't we try to protect it and keep it neutral and keep it a level playing field? I mean, some federal regulation is not a bad thing. I mean, people are just so knee-jerkly against anything that could be a law, like a blanket law like that. I'd know? rather but have... It protects people. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather have people. that than yeah. have corporations deciding the regulation for the yeah. internet. I mean, honestly, think about I mean, if you're out there and you're against net neutrality because you're a hardcore libertarian, think about the reality of what would happen if different, um, if it's if net neutrality was gone, 
and these corporations were allowed to just completely take over the internet and 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 people the you know the smaller companies didn't have fast loading times i mean would you want amazon.com to load 20 times faster than your favorite blog i mean it just i mean think about it like yeah. that yeah there's a perfect like. there's a perfect example salon blogger saturn smith gives a really good example for potential abuse just to everyone just imagine this scenario um let's say Comcast. So Comcast currently runs a site called Fancast and Fancast is kind of like Hulu, except not as cool. Um, it offers TV episodes and movies, some news and entertainment stuff and a lot of advertising. But who's to say now that Comcast could make sure that everyone trying to access Hulu ha- found it very, very slow going so that people just automatically defaulted to Fancast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just one example of just what would happen. It's just inevitable. Yeah, I mean, with that kind of um, allowances, people are going to abuse it. There's just no question. Especially about when it. these telecom companies run sites like this. Yeah, yeah. That absolutely. offer the same things that they don't want their competitors to have equal playing field. No. I mean, it's just madness. Yeah. I mean, learning about net neutrality and learning about how convoluted the debate is and and how a lot of people don't understand it. It's just it's really distressing because it's really the fundamental thing that we need to. I mean, this this should be like the forefront of the political discussion right now. We need to protect the, the internet right now. This is a huge issue and it's just totally just under the radar. FCC's totally sold out. The lobbying campaign from the telecoms to Congress is astronomical. Um, we'll link to some of the lobbying just in the last election cycle alone. But yeah, I mean, they're working very, very hard and they're winning, you know? Yeah, I mean, and then there's other aspects of the internet that are getting a little bit more uh controlled and when i say controlled i mean that um the u.s government is pretty much allowed to monitor all aspects of the internet i mean not when i say allowed i mean they've basically broken the law and gone around it to monitor any internet traffic that they want to um i mean they meet with the people from google on a regular basis i mean the telecom communities, I mean, the telecom industry was already given immunity by the House yeah. and the Senate. So, Yeah, Robert I mean, Mueller, the director of the FBI, met with Google and Facebook yeah. um, last year to try, like in November of 2010, to try to push to intensify online wiretapping. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are just, the implications of this are just very, very dire if you're looking at the chilling effect that would cause it's already a chilling effect where we think we're being wiretapped and Absolutely. recorded everywhere we go but now it's like people won't maybe participate in online forums or discussion because we already know that people's houses get raided and their computers get stolen if they plan protests or tweet the coordinates of a police yeah. you know of where the police are I mean, it's Glenn like greenwald was even was even saying that a lot of his own supporters and readers were emailing him frantically saying i really really want to donate money to WikiLeaks, but i'm afraid if i do i'll be put on a list and i won't be able to fly or or i'll be arrested or i'll be investigated by the irs i mean there's everyone everyone bubbling under the surface believes that the u.s government's hammer could if it wanted to just come down and destroy their lives if they do anything out of line if they challenge the power of the u.s government in any fundamental way they know uh, people i think people everywhere secretly know that that can happen which is so funny but then they still think like oh well the the fact that our civil liberties are being taken away doesn't really affect me but in you know 
fix everyone, innately, obviously. but innately they understand the, like the repercussions yeah. if they do, or 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 like the potential implications. It's cognitive dissonance it is on a crazy dissonance. level. It is really on crazy. one hand they believe and they're afraid to be active and be anti-government because they know how powerful the government is and how vindictive and how evil it can be. But on the other hand, they don't think any of these civil liberties encroachments are a serious issue because. It hasn't actually touched them yet. But right. in reality, they've already been affected right. by it almost their entire lives without really b- connecting that together. That's how strong the chilling effect is. It's yeah, so... It's, it's amazingly strong. It and I, is amazingly strong. And I think that that, go, that goes perfectly into the, the idea of trying to use the internet anonymously. Um, if you want to be active and you do have these fears and, and they prevent you from doing things on the internet that you would otherwise like to do then there are actual ways to get around being tracked on the internet. I mean, unless an FBI agent is standing outside your house, you know, cir- you know, um, how do you say it? Uh, intercepting your internet mm-hmm. connection from his car outside your, you know, on your driveway, you won't be, there's ways to um, use the internet anonymously and not be tracked on what you're doing. And when I say anonymously, I mean, as long as you don't like log into, you know, email addresses, private email accounts, I mean, you can even use an anonymous email account this way if you only create it through a proxy server and you only use it through mm-hmm. that proxy server. Basically, what a proxy server is, is it's, it means the same thing as it does in real life. It's a, it's a hub that can give you a connection to something else, somewhere else. So what it enables you to do is you can surf on the web with a proxy server and it makes people anywhere monitoring that traffic see you surfing the web only through that proxy server. Mm. So say if you want to use a proxy server in Japan and you want to be anonymous, you can set it up on your computer so that anyone looking at your internet connection would see a connection from Japan. They wouldn't they mm-hmm. would have no way to know that it was coming from, you know, Oakland, California. Um and you know, for some people it's a little bit too much configuration to go into. But basically there's really easy ways to do this if you have a little bit of patience. And most people these days are using Firefox, so I'll give you quick instructions on how to do that. You basically find proxy servers online. Um, you just type in Google proxy servers, and you'll find a bunch of different websites that have lists of, of what they call open proxies. Now, open proxies are unsecure connections that can make you look like you're being connected to the Internet from somewhere else. That's pretty much all they do. But what's kind of funny about that as they're inherently legal in the United States. Hmm. Uh, the U.S. Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and the EU Cybercrime Convention in 2001 clearly defined it as a crime to use an open proxy. <laughs> so it's like a chilling effect against yeah. even like being yep. anonymous online. <laughs> and the reason this is is because, again, just like Torrance, they demonize the entire concept of using an open proxy. You must be a hacker if you're using one. That's the only reason you'd want to be in, like anonymous on the internet. So it's like... So it's be, being <clears throat> wanting and, and striving for anonymity makes you automatically suspicious right. in the U.S. government's right. eyes because it's like, well, if you don't want to be tracked and traced, what by are you us, doing what wrong? Are you hiding? What are you hiding? What do you have to hide? It's that same. It's the same psychological trap that we were talking about right. earlier. That this everybody, in some way or another, is experiencing the chilling effect from 
the U.S. government authorities. Well, it's like it's also like the who is domain thing. I get letters all the time saying like you need to verify this information. It's illegal for you to put like false information of of where Media Roots is based or whatever. I'm yeah. like, I'm not gonna put my address. Yeah, Are like, you kidding me? Like, I run Media Roots for my house. Yeah, it's it's funny to me. It's like all these like threats. I'm like, why would I want to paste my address where anyone can just search for me? And if I don't, then somehow I'm like violating a law. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, you know. I mean, there's so much legalese and so many things designed out there now to make you, you know, worried about, you know, jumping through the right hoops and whatever. But then, like, it seems seemingly all these big corporations with just automatically without even without question, it's 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 just an assumption now that they all have overseas bank accounts like Radio Shack is like in Barbados. (laughs) I mean, just every single company like they do their shit like off the the, um, the books in other countries where they have tax shelters. But they're allowed to get away with that, and because they're yeah, huge, we have to be tracked and traced on the internet. And you know, now they're talking about taxing, adding sales tax to all internet transactions and stuff like that. What's so funny about this whole corporate personhood thing? Like, okay, so corporations want to be treated like people. Let's let them have the same rights to just donate endlessly to political campaigns. Okay, great. Well, if they're going to be treated like people, are they going to be held to the same standards in, cert- in terms Never. of legalities and pollution and fines? They're treated and like invincible They're people. invincible <laughs> entities that are like cloaked in just secrecy and they just, now that they're treated like people in terms of how much money they can give to candidates, but they're not treated like people in any other sense of of how we're treated if we break a law. Yeah. It's astounding. And and back to lobbyists for a second. I mean, you know, lobbying, uh, I mean, it's an industry in and of itself. I mean, so much money goes into it and goes into whining and dining politicians, payola, all the stuff. I mean, there's an actual show made about lobbying. Um, I think it was on either HBO or Showtime in the... It's like 2002 or 2003, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it was called K Street. And basically, it's it's a very, very realistic portrayal of how lobbyists influence Washington. Mm-hmm. And it was actually so realistic, and they had so many real politicians guest starring in it, like Howard Dean and um, Barney Franks, a lot of real people, that they actually the house the, the house members like they had like a meeting, and they were like, we can't let them like film this show anymore here because it's too revealing of our political <laughs> process it really i mean that was the real reason like there's no question about that that's why it was canceled that all these politicians kind of unanimously agreed that it wasn't good for their careers to give them this kind of insight into what they do a little bit more insight i just found the the figures i wrote this article for nth word about net neutrality and i'll link to it on on the timeline but just to give you an idea of how much lobbying was really coming to Congress through the telecom industry, just going along with how much lobbying is really done by these telecoms to Congress, um, Verizon, Time Warner, AT&T, Comcast, and Quest collectively lobbied two $218 million to our representatives just in the last two years. Um, to try to, you know, impede net neutrality. The FCC was pretty much the last entity that was trying to block... Uh, the internet, the new internet, where they want to install these anti-net neutrality measures, and basically Congress wrote them a letter. All these people in Congress, they got like, hmm, I think it was an average of fifty thousand dollars per congressman who signed the letter from the telecom indus- industry, telling the FCC, "Leave the issue to Congress. You guys are totally like null and void in this issue now. We're going to make the choices on the internet." 
So these people are receiving an average of $50,000 from the telecom and they're going to decide the future of the internet. So mm. where do you think their interests lay? Yeah, that's... And they're all just so old and out of touch that, I mean, I don't think they really understand. No. I mean, or maybe they do. Maybe they do understand how powerful the internet could be as a consciousness-changing thing for society and they, and you know, they don't want it. They're too conservative for it. I mean... I mean, I'm honestly surprised as of how far the internet has gotten us in, in terms of certain things. I mean, yeah, I'm wondering if all these hackers, like this anonymous group hacking into the Pentagon and like Iran, and there's just the whole WikiLeaks thing. I'm wondering if they're going to use that as like a just like saying hackers now are such a problem that we need to like crack down. Yeah, online. I mean, I, I, that's the next thing I think is that I mean they're already calling hackers terrorists. They're calling them cyber. War, it's calling them cyber warfare. Obama administration announced that they take any hacking attempts to any U.S. government offices as seriously as an act of war. I mean, that's setting the the stage right there for basically the war on hackers or whatever. I mean, what's next? You know, we've had the war on drugs. We've had the Cold War. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And now we have the war on fun. Cops have officially declared a war on fun in the Bay Area. My friends Alicia and Rick just had this going away party in San Francisco and they had they hired a DJ to play there. My brother Robbie played there as well and the cops came, busted it up and which is, you know, whatever. They were violating noise complaints or whatever. But the cops actually took audio equipment. They took the DJ's mixer and they tried to take the speakers and like other equipment from the house. I mean, I had no idea that. And apparently it's this epidemic going on in the Bay Area where cops have been doing this for a while. Well, let's call out the person um, since he's a fucking douchebag. Uh, his, his name is Larry Bertrand and he's a San Francisco undercover cop. Um, he's probably one of the biggest douchebags in the entire Bay area. Uh, he's basically been responsible for seizing, um, over $10,000 of musicians equipment, um, at unpermitted shows or supposedly unpermitted, you know, over capacity or whatever the hell they want to say to shut down a show. Um, none of it ever gets returned. Uh, and it's he has been single-handedly responsible for spearheading this, what they call the war on fun. Um, Where are you? They seriously are calling it that? No, oh. but that's, that's what they, the SF Guardian. I wouldn't be surprised. The San Francisco Guardian has been reporting on this for the last three years, and it seems to be a common problem with San Francisco. And you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I mean, since I'm a musician and have played a little bit in San Francisco, I, I almost feel like the cops are in leagues with a lot of these nightclub owners and it's kind of like a cartel. It's like these big giant nightclub owners. They pull so much tourism to San Francisco. I mean, they're a big tourism draw to San Francisco. A lot of people come from all over the place to go to San Francisco. They don't like when there's little warehouse parties and unauthorized events siphoning their money. And a good example is the, the party that Alicia and Rick threw. It was not too far away from one of like, a, you know, a really big, like, permitted club in San Francisco. So I'm sure just in terms of how much political power the owners of that club have, they're going to make a stink to the city just because they might feel like it's unfair that they had to pay their dues, mm-hmm. but there's, like, other places next to them that can do it, you know, illegally. So it's like, there's so many politics and things that come into play that... um Weren't you saying that you knew a musician who didn't get his laptop back for like a year and a half? His laptop no, this was is, stolen. this is in this article, oh, okay. um, The War on Fun in, in the SF Guardian. If you just type in SF Guardian War on Fun in Google, you'll find a, a series of articles written about it. And yeah, people have, I mean, there's people who have not never gotten their stuff back. Wow. Um, these two undercover cops, 
you know, one of them, Larry Bertrand, um, who just looks like a crazy, like roided out, like neo-Nazi guy from this picture. Um, they would literally be undercover, you know, dressed as club patrons. Uh-huh. And then during like a DJ set, they would jump him and what? handcuff him. Yeah. And they would do it obviously as like a crazy show of force, you know, like that's not normally how cops that break down really shows. Crazy. They usually come in and say, hey, we're cops. Yeah, yeah. You guys have to leave. But these guys like honestly must have some crazy, you know, problem with what's, I mean, I don't know what the motivation <laughs> is, if it's wow. political, if it's money oriented or what, but these guys want to scare people out of doing yeah, parties. Yeah, and, and think about the chilling effect that is going to cause on um, throwing parties and doing things outside of that, that whole club scene. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if I were a musician, I'd be terrified to, to play at an unauthorized party now. I'm like, I don't want thousands of dollars of my hard-earned equipment to be just taken from me by yeah. the police and once in a while they'll do a really big show like a make a really big spectacle out of it to like make it get mentioned in the media like it's almost like they do it because they want to well, get attention like, for being crazily it's like the people it's like those the people who download a couple songs and are just made examples of it's mm-hmm. just like it's these ridiculous thing. yeah sensationalized stories that scare the hell out of people they're like well i don't want to download music this woman got like thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for downloading two songs about five years ago a guy in utah um he was gonna throw like an outdoor kind of rave type thing uh in a field in utah and he thought he got the proper permits he talked to the landowner um i think he even paid like five hundred dollars or something to the city you know for an amplified music uh, performance permit and in the middle of the show about an hour into the show literally helicopter um like SWAT team guys coming down from ropes like from helicopters like was it the Israeli commandos <laughs> I mean might as well have been like they were insane I mean they came in with guns drawn talk about a bad trip telling me had telling me to get on the ground with machine guns oh in their face oh my god and uh and they eventually arrested like 10 people or something but it's, it's so sad it's insane it's just like you know law enforcement is so into just st- stopping riffraff that i don't know but it's just like they only go after the easy riffraff yeah, you know yeah they don't go into the ghettos of deep east even, oakland yeah. and do anything they don't go into the ghettos of philadelphia and actually like try to take care of like problems i mean they're afraid to go into those places they go into like ri- r- um, white suburban neighborhoods where they're and having illegal parties. parties and take them down i mean that's the kind of stuff cops do yeah it's really crazy and it's just sad to think that uh everything has to be permitted these days you there's know? so much red tape to just like have a party like yeah yeah i mean and if and it's all all you know on, on alcohol, it's like you know if you if you drink alcohol in public, you have to get like a permit, and you know you can't even eat donuts now in the park. Policy, yeah. This woman got in trouble for eating donuts next to like a playground because yeah. she didn't have a kid. I mean, yeah. Oh, and then that 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 Asian guy who was uh, filming a train. He's like a train enthusiast who puts like videos of him riding trains. He on was YouTube. detained for like two hours. Yeah, for doing nothing absolutely nothing he just stood up for himself and he's like i'm not doing anything wrong yeah. and the guy was like after 9-11 you can't film here it's you can't like, film yeah, you and can't. and he was just like you can't record in public and the guy was like well then i'll walk yeah some guy was just detained for two hours for filming a train he was just this guy traveling he's a train enthusiast he wanted to put together a film of his travels and he was detained by police and security guards for over two hours because they said that he couldn't film apparently we can't film things anymore in public that's against the law or you are automatically suspicious. You're a suspicious character if you are filming in public, which is just so 
so sad. And at first you can tell the guy's like really distressed by it. And then, and then he just stands up for himself and he's like, this is wrong. And I really respect that guy because you could tell that he's not really like an activist, but he just saw his rights being trampled on and knew that he wasn't doing anything wrong and really stood up for himself and put the video online and shared his story. And that was really, it's just really shocking to get this insight from people who are being just impeded upon their rights are being impeded upon all, all across the country. And it's just, it's just astounding to me. Um, going back to lobbying though, I wrote an article for KPFA last year. It was a, it was about the state legislator in California. Um, the Contra Costa Times shed an expository light on basically how our bills are really made in the California state legislature. It talked about sponsored bills, and we're talking about lobbyists actually drafting bills, and that's pretty much what a sponsored bill is. A sponsored bill is when a lobbyist writes a bill instead of a legislator. Um, ideally, a representative should draft laws with the intent of benefiting their constituency. Wow, what a shock. That's the way it's supposed to work. But instead, a new lawmaking pr- process has effectively taken over the state's capital. And lobbyists now just draft bills to directly benefit their corporate clients and subsequently shop the bills around to different members of, of the uh, just different agreeable politicians. Um, between 2007 and 2008, private interests sponsored more than 1,800 bills, making up 39% of the total bills introduced and 60% of all legislation passed. So that's half... Half of all sponsored bills became law as opposed to only one out of five without sponsorship. So this is just really a really, really scary trend. Um, And I just I foresee it only getting worse as time goes on. and, And it's really just untalked about the fact that lobbyists are literally writing bills for us to benefit themselves and their corporate financiers. So it's a very scary precedent. Um. And it's happening all over California. It's just, I think it's just more open about it. It's more, um, which is even scarier in a sense that they're just, it's, it's almost like it's not a bad thing because they're so open about it. In other states, I think it's more secretive how many um, bills are passed that are sponsored and whatnot. So it's just a scary precedent and it's uh, it totally flies in the face of how the political process should work. And it's really fucked up yeah all great points abby um and and while this has been happening um you know after 9-11 people like paul joseph watson and um and, and a few other people i mean there's not too many people in england that are really covering a lot of the police state encroachments on a regular basis in england and infowars isn't really covering as much as they used to either i mean it was kind of i think it was mostly around the time that the tube bombing happened um, but a lot of this stuff that's happening here about our parties has mirrored a lot of what the UK has done to raves. Cause a lot of people might not know this, but you know, the whole rave culture, it comes from England and it basically all rave really meant was a very large gathering of people with electronic music, dance music playing with, you know, it started as kind of an autonomous thing where people weren't even really making money off it, where they would just be like, you know, come to this place at this time and we're going to have this party. Um, you know, and then it started to get a little bit commercialized. People started to make money off of it. Um, 
and once that started to happen and it's and it seemed to actually become like almost like another hippie movement um with so many psychedelics and drugs like ecstasy being in the mix uh the uk government got very very worried about rave culture and actually started to write laws um, as a reaction to it um and one of the one of the most famous ones they wrote uh, as a reaction to rave culture was the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act of 1994. Um, around 1994, the Parliament passed the bill effectively banning large rallies of or music gatherings that were independently ran. Essentially, having a rave became a criminal act. And they have wording the bill trying to ban repetitive music like techno because they felt it attracted too much like bad riffraff, like like the music itself. Like if they could ban or illegalize that, then it would somehow put a stop to the rest of it. Um, their pro- uh, the band The Prodigy, who's probably most well known for the awful song Smack My Bitch Up, uh, they actually made a pretty good album before that called Music for the Jilted Generation, which is kind of a the, the album's theme is like a reaction to this crackdown and there's a big picture inside the album of all these ravers standing on one side of like a canyon this big canyon divide and like a SWAT team army on the other side it's a I mean it's a kind of really cheesy mural image but at the time I mean it really did symbolize something that there was like a genuine pushback against people ha- just wanting to have fun I mean there was very little if any like you know, violent criminal activity happening at these raves. I mean, compared to like, you know, soccer hooligan kind of stuff. I mean, sports games, it was minuscule in comparison to that. Um, and in the Prodigy uh, album, they have a little sentence kind of at the bottom of this picture that says, how can the government stop young people from having a good time? Fight this Bullocks. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's a, there's a song on the album called Fuck Them and Their Law that's 100% about the UK Criminal Justice Act. Um, a favorite of mine, Autecker, uh, they're, they're a pretty famous electronic act. Uh, they wrote a song called Flutter uh, that was specifically designed to fit into the parameters of the Criminal Public Justice Act, where each bar had a non-repeating drum pattern making the music, quote, non-repetitive, um, which actually was written into the law that repetitive mu- music with repetitive beats was not allowed. Uh, which is hilarious because all law, all music is repetitive. That's what makes music <laughs> enjoyable. The law in and of itself is c- completely contradictory. Um, and Autecker was parodying the law by making a song where the beats actually didn't repeat every bar, where it was like a, you know, like a new beat every single bar. It kind of just sounds like an electronic drum solo going over like a, a you know, some melodies. Um, and the actual notes from their album say warning, uh, these songs contain, or they, they say, warning, Lost and Jajarm contain repetitive beats. We advise you not to play these tracks if the criminal justice bill becomes law. Flutter, on the other hand, has been programmed in such a way that no bars contain identical beats and can therefore be played under the proposed new law. However, we advise DJs to have a lawyer and musicologist present at all times to confirm the non-repetitive nature of the music in the event of police harassment. So, I mean, as you can see, it's just a total, you know, fuck you to the absurd law they tried to pass. But, I mean, that just goes to show that, I mean, they really just, they'll do anything they can to stop anything remotely threatening the status quo. You know, when it gets too big, too organized, it's just like, boom, gotta fucking stop it. 
Yeah, another example, war on fun, the, baby. Yeah, the war on fun. Another example, two years ago, a guy named Andrew Poole in the UK, um, he wanted to celebrate his 30th birthday. So he posted in a public event on Facebook, and I think maybe like 40 people said they were attending. He said, um, you know, it's going to go to like, you know, kind of late at night. Um, you know, there's going to be food, come and party, da-da-da. So when he got there... Um, about 15 people showed up mm-hmm. or like 20 people uh, and then they just all started to eat their food they made burgers mm. on the barbecue Cute. and then all of a sudden a SWAT team came in and what? told them to shut down the party because it was an illegal rave wow and basically the guy said um, he claimed that police riot vans turned up before any music was played police said that it had been advertising the internet as an all night party Mr. Poole, a coach driver from Sauton, said 15 family and friends had come to the event. How sad. Um, the event was closed down under six, Section 63 of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act of 1994. So it's based on the same act that they passed during the rave era. Uh, he says, we were nowhere near anyone. We weren't even playing any music. Uh-huh. What effectively the police did was come down and stop 15 people from eating burgers. That's so sad. That makes me really... I don't know. That tugs on my heartstrings. Yeah. And and there's just so much weird internet news coming out now. It's almost so often that we get these stories now that it's really hard to keep up on them. Um, in Tennessee, uh, a judge ruled against a person who was charged for using a shared Netflix account, streaming Netflix account. Um, state lawmakers in county country's music capital have passed a groundbreaking measure that would make it a crime to use a friend's Netflix login, um, specifically on the site's Netflix and Rap- so Rhapsody. So what if you're at a friend's house and you just want to log into your account? How can they tell that your Again, friend's logging in as you? Rob- robots know best. I mean, if they're going to like automatically enforce wow, all this stuff, then it's just going to be crazy, like man. you automatically get like treated like criminal. It's like, oh, your login's like active on another IP address. We are going to cancel your account. I mean, this is the this is the direction we're headed in, and people need to realize that it's not only that we have all these abuses of power, human beings mm-hmm, being in mm-hmm. charge of power now, it's now getting to the point where an autonomous, non-intelligent, you know, self-propelling algorithm can just like take down your shit from the internet. And it has no mind of its own. I mean, then it's, no empathy, no yeah, morality. Nothing. It's just, it's just a robot. I mean, it's not even, it's not as bad as the, you know, the Terminator judgment day Skynet scenario, but in, it's, it's, it's bad in a different way because it's like these algorithms are programmed by humans who are lazy and just want to like make their enforcement easier so they never ever can see the context of what's going mm, on right. they just always right. will shut it down by default mm-hmm. until you you know stand up and complain or whatever yeah yeah it's just like that guy who who uh well it's not just like this but the, that guy in Oakland who had his laptop stolen and he had some sort of software in it that was like a spy software and it recorded the guy who stole his laptop. He had all these screenshots of the guy using his laptop in bed and around the house and provided all this evidence to the police and the police were just like, sorry, we can't do anything about it. And until he got like literally like hundreds of people behind him to demand that this guy be arrested and that he get his laptop back, then the cops finally took action. It's like they're so damn lazy. Just like they don't. I mean, unless you have like a massive campaign, will they finally just start to take notice of like these crazy measures that they just like don't do anything? I don't know. Yeah, the cops are just. I mean, all these, all these little laws, you know, these little, you know, infractions and stuff. Um, 
they're so regularly enforced and I don't think it's just because they need the money for the city. I think it's also because cops know, and I think most people know this as well, that if you have a broken taillight, if you have your registration has lapsed, if you have, if you're speeding, um, you could get caught by a cop and the cop can use it to open the door for other things to investigate you. You know, other, he could look at you with a watchful eye and in his mind be thinking, what else is this guy doing wrong? And say if you, you know, you have a little bit of pot in your car or something, Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to be careful. You have to, you have to make sure that you fix your taillights, that you, your registration is. Yeah. Don't give cops a reason to, because, and and also know your rights, like at the, at the car. I mean, mean, there's a really good class. Um, what was that YouTube? We'll link to this right now on the SoundCloud, but yeah, well, it's a, there's a series of tutorials, um, about how to not get busted by the police. If you have marijuana or if you're having a party at your house where someone may be smoking, the most important thing is to just not say anything. That's number one, most important thing. Yeah. Um, don't say anything that can implicate you later because they're going to try to coerce you into talking and everything can be used against you. Yeah. And in a situation, I mean, you know, we, we meant to talk a little bit more about civil disobedience in this in this episode, but uh, Adam Kokish got body slammed <laughs> and choked by a cop for basically doing a silent dance at the Jefferson Memorial because they actually passed a law banning dancing at the Jefferson Memorial. Um, and that's just kind of like, it's just like, well, you fuck with us, we're going to punish you. You know, we're going to yeah. like, we're going to injure you I can't, I mean, in a I, legal way. You know, we're going to body slam you because you kind of resisted us a little bit. I mean, so it's like even if you act like a dead you. fish yeah. and you just like, you know, fall to the ground, they're still going to fucking slam your face against the Yeah, they the slammed him and, and choked him Yeah, and for dancing because yep. it's against the law. And yeah. don't break the law. And don't th- don't you dare dance or have fun. No, and and what's what's dare you desecrate the Jefferson Memorial? Is there just all these dickheads out there who are like, oh well, they were acting like douchebags. You know, they 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 were being annoying. You know, they should have been uh, something should have happened to them. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, but I mean, you're not the you know you could. It's easy to say that when you're on your computer at home and you've never done anything remotely um, in the face of authority oh, to, yeah. to um, stand up That's- for your civil rights before. But it's like. That's completely disrespecting the idea of civil disobedience. I mean, what kind of civil disobedience... That's like disobedience? 90% of people online. Yeah. What kind of civil disobedience would those people find okay? If right. Rosa Parks happened now in their generation, they would think she was annoying too. Right. She didn't get off that bus. That was really annoying of her. She should have known better. She the deserved law, to get tased. The law said that she should sit in the yeah. back. She Rosa Parks have... happened today, she would have gotten fucking tased. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if those, if those cops at the Jefferson Memorial had tasers, you'd better believe that they would have tased the shit out of those guys. Yeah. I mean, the the way that they acted was so despicable. These cops just like... I mean, you everyone should watch this. We're going to link to it on, on the SoundCloud timeline right now, but Adam Kokesh and a bunch of other people are just literally just like moving around and the cops mm-hmm. just attack them so violently. And then bystanders are just like, what is going on? And these by- bystanders are like moving swaying with each other and then they arrest them too. It's just... It's insane. It's pure insanity, the reaction of these policemen to people dancing in yeah, a public and, space. And people say, oh, these are a bunch of bad apples, or there's, you know, there's bad cops and no, good caps. No, it's but systematic. I'm sorry, this is institutional. It's systemic. It's systemic. There's no explanation, besides it being institutional, why a cop would feel extremely compelled to make you shut down your camera and to actually, like, threaten arrest you if you're still filming something. I mean, that's that's told to them from the higher ups their bosses are probably like look 
you know, being a cop is a hard job and you may need to do things that may be questionable at times. And if anybody is filming you, you need to put a stop to it mm-hmm. because that's evidence or whatever. And, and, and yeah, that's after illegal. the Oscar Grant thing. I mean, they, they don't tell want them, people filming. They basically enable them to break the law by telling them the wrong information. Like they tell them that filming somebody is illegal, filming a cop. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not illegal. It's not You're illegal. a public figure. Right. Your face can be on posters all over the city right. and that's legal. You have chosen to take a job as a public figure where you're allowed to be filmed at any time. That's, that's sorry, that's your job. And if you don't like yeah. it, then get another job. Right. I mean, I mean, we... We should I mean, flip it around on them and be like, if you don't want to be filmed, what are you doing wrong? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you doing wrong? You're hiding something? And most of the times they are. They don't want to be filmed, like, totally infringing upon people's rights to just live mm-hmm. freely. I mean, and those kind of cops, they have to walk a fine line because they, they probably regularly break the law and they know it, mm-hmm. too. So they're always worried about someone filming them. I mean, and when you live as a, when you live a life like that as a cop, I mean... You know, how can anyone defend that kind of behavior? I just don't understand it. You yeah, know? and then and then they're actually rewarded. Like Johannes Meserly gets a slap on the wrist for murder in cold blood. And the guy's hands are behind his back and he's laying on the ground. And but it's like if kids, you're a cop, yeah. you know the law better than anyone. So shouldn't that mean that you get even more severe punishment? Like you know the law inside and out. Why mm-hmm. are you getting a slap on the wrist for murder? It's because people have all this sympathy for cops. It's like, oh, well, they're in the line of duty. Um, yeah. Things get hectic. Someone actually... You, know, you have to make quick split um, second decisions, you know, life or death decisions. It's like... I don't it know. It wasn't I a mean, life or decision. And, and I've had people argue with me um, that are liberal and, you know, think kind of along the same lines that we do. But they were just like, well, Oscar Grant was like a fuck up. And why wasn't he with his kids? It was New Year's Eve. Why was it? He shouldn't have started a fight on Bart. You're like, excuse me? Like, are you seriously demonizing Oscar Grant as a person right now? This has nothing to do with it. anything. Yeah. It's the it's, it's really crazy. I, mean, I don't even I have no idea what Oscar Grant's personal life I don't is like. Care. And I don't think it has it's anything totally to do with irrelevant. the issue. I mean, we saw on video the cops had him in handcuffs already and they shot him in the back. There's I mean, there's really nothing you can say to excuse that kind of behavior. Robbie you shouldn't have been fighting on Bart. <laughs> Um, we're going to wrap up this show today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to donate to MediaRoots.org. Art and music prizes for anyone that donates over $40. Um, check out the SoundCloud timeline for all the resources and music we've played. And go to MediaRoots.org for more information. Keep supporting grassroots projects. Thanks so much for your support. Peace. Peace.